Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey from St. Peter Lutheran Church in Green, Iowa. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA, and today is January 16th, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. Thank you for joining me for a message today. It's always nice to see who's watching, who's worshiping with us, so if you're willing, go ahead and comment good morning on this video. That also helps other people in the community to find it. Or, of course, you can share this post or this video, and that will definitely help people see it. Before I get started, I want to invite you, if you're a member here at St. Peter, to sign up to get your photo taken for the new church directory that we're putting together as part of our 150th anniversary celebration this year. We want everybody to be included, and that means you. So hopefully you got a postcard in the mail with information about how to reserve your slot, or you can call the church office, or and Robin and I can get you signed up. For the next three weeks, we are going to be reading from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And I want to tell you a little bit about Corinth before we get into the letter. Corinth was a busy, large city, sort of a metropolitan area, known for moral wickedness and depravity. It's a port city, so picture everything that goes along with lots of sailors on shore leave all the time. There was a Jewish synagogue there, but most of the population of Corinth were idol worshippers. Jews were definitely a pretty small minority. Not the easiest place to follow Jesus. But around the year 50, 50, the year 50, about a decade or two after Jesus was around, Paul starts a church right there in Corinth. And then after a year or two, he moves on to the town of Ephesus, and he starts a church there. That's the town the letter to the Ephesians was written to. But while he's in Ephesus starting that church, Paul keeps in touch with the Corinthians, with the church he started a year or two earlier. And in our Bible, we have at least two of the letters that he wrote to this church, this group of Christians, mostly focusing on what it means for them to live a Christian life in that context of Corinth, and how to be a community of believers together. Paul's theme for this whole letter is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, which says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. And then he goes on from there to discuss various issues that have come up, probably things that the Corinthians have mentioned to him in the letters they wrote to him. Looking forward now, in the 21st century, to both our annual meeting coming up in three weeks on January 30th, and to our 150th anniversary celebrations this year, I think that the next three weeks looking at Corinthians, looking at 1 Corinthians, I think these readings are perfect for us right now because we today, 2,000 years later, are facing similar questions as the church, right? The questions we face today, the questions the Corinthians faced back in the early 50s, those are not new questions. How will we be a community together following Jesus in the year 2022 and for the next 150 years? How will this community of faith, the Church of St. Peter in Green, Iowa, continue long after you and I are out of the picture, long after we're gone? How will we stay faithful as Christians, as a community, in a changing world? With a, after a time of trial in the form of a pandemic, 
with the culture changing around us. Sometimes it seems like changing every day. So, welcome to a sort of three-week mini-sermon series on being the body of Christ. Today, we're looking at this great passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about spiritual gifts. So here's the reading. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the big problems in that Corinthian church seems to be factions and disagreements among the members, among the community of believers. Paul doesn't always tell us what they're disagreeing about, but it's not too hard to imagine, right? What do we disagree about? People in Corinth had different backgrounds, different priorities, and different ways they thought the world should work, kind of like we do. They had rich people and poor people in the same community, people of all ages, and those groups didn't always get along. There's a whole section, in fact, in the chapter right before this. We're not going to read it as part of this three weeks, but you can read it if you want to. In the chapter right before this about how when they share the Lord's Supper as a community, they do it as a whole meal, which is kind of beautiful. That's great. Except, some people don't get to eat. Some people don't get food, while other people have lots of food. And some people are even getting drunk. They have so much wine to drink. Well, as far as I know, we don't have people getting drunk in our church, at least not during worship services, so that's good. But there are people in this congregation, people watching this video even, who have a lot more money and resources than other people do. People who have a lot less than other people do. These are not foreign problems. So in today's reading, it seems the church had been dealing with some problems of spiritual hierarchy. Some people are really gifted, and they can do things like speak in tongues. That's a big one Paul's talking about. Or speak really powerfully in public. Or sing better than anyone else. That sort of thing. And maybe those people are tempted to use their gifts for their own benefit, at least a little bit. Maybe they kind of like feeling extra important, a little bit up on a pedestal in the eyes of the rest of the community. And it's so easy for the community to treat them, those people with those gifts, as more important than the people who are maybe gifted in some less visible ways, like the people who sweep the floor before service or 
call people with reminders about church directories, or who don't say anything in public, but write cards of encouragement and pray at home. Some gifts are obvious and easy to honor, right? But part of Paul's point is that even those who seem to be the least also have something important to offer. I don't know if this counts as a spiritual gift, it's not for a person, but as an illustration, did you hear the story this week about this rat who died in Cambodia? And that's not a metaphor. There was an eight-year-old African giant pouched rat named Megawa who died this week after a five-year career as the most successful landmine-sniffing rat in the world. Apparently, this rat had a remarkable sense of smell, and he found over 100 landmines and other explosives. I'm telling you, if God can equip a rat with the gifts that are needed to save potentially hundreds of lives, then you can trust God has equipped you too. Even if your particular gift is not as obvious or as visible as someone else's might be. So Paul writes, and this is important for us to hear today, Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. Paul makes it clear. God gives each of us gifts. Every Christian, every follower of Jesus, you, you are gifted by God. Every member of the church is gifted, and all of those gifts are important and necessary, whether it's having a really good sense of smell, perhaps. I don't know how you use that spiritually, but there's got to be some way. Or being a public leader, singing. If we can recognize the truth that God is the source of all gifts, then there's no point in being jealous of someone else's gifts or in boasting about your own gifts. We can't earn more spiritual gifts, we can just put them into practice as the Spirit enables us, as the Spirit calls us. And all these gifts are intended for the common good. Being community means worshiping and giving and serving together, and I'll talk more about that next week. But if you're only using your gifts for yourself or for your own benefit, you're missing the point of why God gave you those gifts. Another promise for us in this passage is that God provides everything that's needed, everything we need. There's spiritual gifts that I wish that I had that I don't, like singing on key or more wisdom, being, being a more interesting personality on a camera, I suppose, being better at remembering names and faces, lots that I wish I had. But there's other people in our church who have those gifts. The beauty of the church is that the Holy Spirit gathers us together and calls us to join our gifts together for the common good. So Paul, in this letter, calls the people in Corinth to look not at what they're lacking, but at the gifts they have, the gifts God has given them. It might be easier to be a Christian in Jerusalem or in Cana or maybe even in Rome than to be surrounded by all the wild chaos of Corinth, it might be nice to have a choir or big donors with lots of oil money or more people in worship, but God provides everything we need to be church. God equips us with everything needed for the mission we are given. 
Today's gospel story is another example. Listen to this gospel reading. This is from Luke, no, this is from John, excuse me, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. So in this story, Jesus and his mother and his disciples are at a wedding. And remember, weddings are a really big deal. None of this run off to the courthouse and get married. This is a multi-day affair. This is a major social event in the small town of Cana. Maybe it's a family member of Mary or Joseph or Jesus. Maybe it's just someone in town who's getting married. But it's a great occasion. And if anything goes wrong at this great occasion you know that people are going to talk about it for years. Kristen and I got married almost 10 years ago, and my family and friends still remember what went wrong at our wedding. It was a little minor thing, but we had these little glass fish bowls with fabric flowers and floating tea light candles, and they were on each table as the centerpieces. And we tested everything ahead of time. We made sure the color and the fabric flowers wouldn't run, left left a flower in the water overnight. We made sure the candles could float. We lit a test candle to make sure that the wick wouldn't get wet when it was put in the water. But we failed to test what would happen if you leave the candles lit and they float to the edge of the bowl and the flame touches the glass. Turns out these glass fish bowls will shatter. It only happened at two tables, and it really wasn't a big deal. Most of them, right after they found out the first one shattered, the people at the wedding went around and blew out all the candles. It's not like we'd run out of food or drink or something. That would have been really embarrassing, right? That's what happens here. There's not enough wine. Now, I haven't been to any first century Palestinian weddings, but I imagine running out of wine would put a bit of a damper on the party huge embarrassment for the family. Fortunately, they've invited Jesus to the party, and Jesus provides what's needed. In fact, Jesus provides in abundance huge jugs of wine, and not just wine, but good wine. Jesus provides more than anyone thinks is possible. God provides for God's people. Sometimes recognizing God's provision requires changing our view of what's needed, but God always comes through. God provides. The key is following the instructions Jesus' mother gives. Do whatever he tells you. 
Do whatever God tells you to do with whatever it is you have, whatever resources, whatever gifts you have. And in Jesus' hands, it will be enough. So I wonder today, what has God given you? What gifts has God given you? And they don't have to be on that list from Paul. I don't think he ever intended that to be an exhaustive list of every possible spiritual gift. But God has given you gifts. What are they? You have something to contribute to God's work, to our congregation's work together for the common good. Maybe it's something to use in this congregation, in the institution of St. Peter Lutheran Church. Or maybe your gift is more for living faith outside these walls. But you have gifts that this community needs. You have gifts for our life together. You have gifts to offer, and they are enough for Jesus to use. So how is the Holy Spirit calling you to use your gifts to do God's work? I invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, you have called, gathered, and equipped your church to do your work, to be your hands and your feet in the world. Open our eyes to see you at work, in and among and through us. Inspire us to see the abundance you have trusted to us, rather than to get stuck on what's lacking. Thank you for each and every person watching or listening today and the gifts you have given them. Help us to use our gifts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to use some of your financial resources to support our work here at St. Peter, you can give online at www.stpetergreen.com giving, find our congregation on the Vanco giving app on your phone, or if you don't have offering envelopes and you'd like some, let the church office know, and you can get those in the mail regularly to send in your offering. Thank you for your support and your generosity. It really does make the ministry of this congregation possible. Now, receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. See you next week as we continue in 1 Corinthians and talk about being the body of Christ together. Have a great week.